Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in, whether you're watching live on the social networks or listening to us on the podcast streams. We appreciate your participation and involvement on this. Check out all the family of shows over at Tinkering.Space. Welcome to Thinkering on this super awesome August 2nd, 2020. I am Jose. I'm Nick. And I'm Keelan. And today we're going to talk about a couple things that have changed for the better, for the worse, uh, things that don't seem to ever change uh, (laughs) with technology or technology companies. Uh, I know one of the many things that uh, we've all had to get accustomed to um, in dealing with uh, these times, these hard times uh, for those wrestling buffs that I know I said I never would talk about, but I would still bring it up somehow. Uh, One of the things that we've all had to uh, agree, well, question to agree uh, to do is uh, face coverings. It's the ongoing situation right now um, throughout the world. Uh, And it's beneficial for health purposes, which is not what we're going to talk about today. There's one thing that I know many of us have probably been dealing with in wearing these face masks is uh, for those with uh, iOS devices. I'm sure there's some Android devices. instances that also do the face ID, the facial recognition, the masks kind of make that a little null and void. A little difficult to use devices to unlock when your face is partially covered. And there have been some attempts to adjust those settings um, for different applications and different devices. But today we're going to start off the episode with talking about a story that It comes from Business Insider, detailing how wearing a mask uh, doesn't just limit the spread of what's been going on, but also makes it harder for facial recognition algorithms to identify you. (laughs) So the National Institute of Standards and Technology tested 89 facial recognition algorithms, which have an error rate of around 0.3%. But when those algorithms were used on subjects wearing face masks, the error rate jumped to 5% and almost to 50%. So takeaway from this is that obviously putting on a mask uh, limits a lot of things that we have uh, just started to get used to uh, being able to use. Uh, what do you guys think about the, uh, the realization that even though it is cool that we are in a period where uh, um, even this platform, you know, concept that we're utilizing right now, um, there's a lot of advantages that we've come about, but the current circumstances now create a limit to how we access these things in the form of facial recognition. 
Um, a lot of government agencies, I'm pretty sure, are not happy about this because, uh, you know, whether you want to believe it or not, you know, we are being watched by one, two, or a hundred satellites at any given time. Um, there's cameras throughout city intersections. There's, uh, you know, closed circuit uh, camera surveillance throughout properties. And being able to identify somebody is a little important. But what do you think about the 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 circumstance that we're in right now with having these uh, facial coverings that prevent this from uh, being as effective as it could be otherwise? Um, I personally think that's not a problem. That's what you know, it's not your face. You know what I mean? If, if that's the case, then we're talking about retinal identification, not per se facial identification. Like, you know, your whole facial structure is exactly what that is. So once you cover it, saving myself, right? If I have the facial recognition saved under me not having a beard, and then I grow my beard, and the next time I use it, I have a beard, it shouldn't recognize me as the same person. It's not per se the same face. There will be features change. It wouldn't be able to get my jawline, the whole structure of my mouth. You, under, you know what I mean? So to me, I don't, I don't think there's a problem. I understand where the issue comes, where, you know, they, they've been using these systems or these systems are being used for what they're used for. So now something that's mandated is causing, uh, I guess we could say, a, I wouldn't even call it an error. They're calling it an error. I would call it um, a discrepancy. Because it's not telling me that the machine or that the algorithm's not working. It's not telling me that the application isn't working for what it's built for. What it's telling me is it's not supernatural. <laughs> and it doesn't have uh, human capabilities. I can look at the, I can look at your face through the mask and say, oh, I know that person and use my judgment to determine. That's not what we're asking machines to do. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I agree. Um... Um, you're not going to hear any lamentation from about the confustication of an or Orwellian state. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to cry over the spilled milk that is the inability to use facial recognition. Um, I think it's funny that that kind of tripped themselves up on this, and I think that you know, there's. I, I believe Amazon uh, halted its facial recognition initiative. Uh, for the next year or so because of this, I, I believe. Hmm. And uh, I, to me, it's uh, my question is, why do we need it? And oh. and every time I hear an answer, it's always something to do with safety. And and I, 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 I at what point are we going to say, you know what, I think I'll take my chances instead right. of like, oh, I need everything to be as safe as possible. Please scan my my retina. When, so I can open my phone. Like that's what they're asking for next. Yeah, and, and well, they already do it. They already retinal scan you on your phones, anyways. Like any new top of the line phone is doing that as it is. Mm -hmm. So I mean, like, at what point are we going to sit and say, "Hey, you know what? I'm just going to keep my six digit password. That's that's okay with me. You know, like I'm not holding national security secrets on my phone." You know, like right. if you, if I was a government worker or a, a secret agent, then maybe, yeah, I would right. need a retinal scanner for my phone. But it's just, it seems like such, 
it's just seems superfluous to me. It seems like it's not necessary for society. They already have gate recognition anyways. They can tell who right. you are by the way you walk. So, right. Yeah. I mean, if, if this were a security mechanism for firearms and I'm not against firearms in any way, but if this were something of that nature, you know, say you have an in-home safe and they're finding out that these in-home safes are being found to not be able to identify you when you're wearing a mask in your home. That's an entirely different discussion we're having because we're talking about the safety of your family or, you know, home security in general. But we're talking about you being able to social media for the next five hours. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't have much of a concern. I and, mean, what's, what's the concern too? You can't unlock your phone without taking your mask down. I was just, I, I was mean, gonna say, I'm, there's other ways to unlock your phone. How about that? Yeah, I did uh, I, exactly. a personal week. Uh, for those of you watching the uh, video feed, um, you could probably see what I'm talking about right now. And for those listening to the audio feed, uh, Joe has a beard, and when Joe doesn't have a beard. Joe looks a lot younger, and unfortunately, this past week, Joe learned the hard way that he cannot unlock his phone with his face ID because <laughs> the phone doesn't recognize him without a beard. Ta-da. <laughs> yeah, so um, I kind of SOL uh, on that for a couple of hours because I don't see the face ID or the facial recognition on mobile devices uh, to be the be all end all. Yes, it's convenient. Um, and like Nick said, like it, what, how more secure can a device be if you don't have more physical interaction with it? Like I need to make sure that I'm entering my information in. There's some Android uh, phones out there uh, manufactured by Samsung. I mean, I had a Note 3 back in the day and it used uh, fingerprint recognition. And that's one thing that I, I would say would be more ideal to use as opposed to face ID because at least with your finger you're you're touching it. Yes, yeah, so a worst case yeah. scenario could happen that you can get compromised um by someone acquiring your fingerprint somehow. Right. Let your imagination fly on that one. I'm not that, saying that's work though. Right, exactly. So that's a lot more work than taking your phone and doing this in front of your face. Right. And I just I'm enjoying, you know, reading articles that talk about how it this is going to be a situation. Now, it's it, one of the things that has happened is, and again, another thing that Nick also discussed is that a lot of companies, a lot of uh, startups, are taking a step back. Like all the innovations that we have been observing over the last two, three years, a lot of them are having to go back to figure out another another method to um, access this this data because facial recognition is data. I mean, you this past week, what uh, TikTok was uh, one of the topics that were being discussed in one form or another. Uh, but the underlying common denominator of all of those is that it is taking data, is taking personal information without you, um, without you reading the terms of service right. you don't know about. You're not truly consenting. Right. Mm -hmm. But based on the, you know, on the developer of the app, you agree to everything from the moment you hit OK or oh, yeah. the moment you create an account. Oh, yeah. Well, I I'm going to develop an app and I'm going to have everybody sign over their bank rights. Yeah, <laughs> and you, you might as well at this point. Um, I, I don't know. I think that one 
it's safe to assume that any sort of social media app is going to be harvesting your information. On the other hand, I don't necessarily think that that should be an excuse to allow them to do so. Or, um, you know, just because we know it happens doesn't mean that it's necessarily a good thing. Right. I think, I think to the point of the facial recognition, I think that the reason that they're kind of putting this out, because I've seen articles about this before too, where it's like, oh, facial recognition is taking a hit because of mask wearing. And <laughs> to me, it's like, okay, well, are you guys upset about that? Are you upset of that facial recognition? isn't working the way you wanted it to? How did you want it to work? And I think more ultimately, like we've had this conversation before, Jose, a couple years ago, before we were basically, you know, just like, like <laughs> we were seeing into the future uh, when we were talking about the Chinese social credit system. And what do they use the most is facial recognition software. That's what they use the most in order to catch people things. And so I think to me, it, it they're, they're, their admission and kind of lamentation of this inability to grasp or to data harvest all of our biometrics belies a frustration that, you know, they wanted to do so. And that this mass thing is kind of throwing a monkey wrench into the whole works. Yeah. I think though that might be the only people who's really suffering long-term <laughs> Well, for now, you know, and, and and with you bringing up their whole social crediting system and all of those things, I think that's what's being halted right now. It, like all jokes aside, if there's something yeah. that's being slowed down and that's in something that's actually irritating the IT department of the government, so to speak, it will be that. That they've been working so hard on developing this. They've been, fi they're finally satisfying someone and now all of a sudden, okay, we have this obstacle and oh, guess who put the obstacle in the way? The same people who are saying we aren't doing our damn jobs. Mm. I think yeah. the, those those kind of things will spur, and I don't care what department you work in or what you do, if you have the person above you not quite understanding how they're also the, pro the problem, like they're also the uh, hindrance behind getting the job done, uh, it, you're gonna get these kind of articles. We're gonna get, the next thing we're gonna get is gonna be, um, not so much about how the masks are affecting facial recognition, but how facial recognition is now becoming uh, obsolete. Mm -hmm. And then they're gonna run us right towards what we were just discussing, something like retinol or, mm -hmm. we already have voice recognition. You know, you could, hey Siri all day, or, or hey Cortana or any of them, Alexa, you could do that all day long. So oh, facial, you know, yeah, verbal recognition is there. Yeah, you're not going to get into, I mean, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think that they are going to call for the, um, the, uh, what did you call it? Like the, uh, the antiquity of facial recognition. I think that they're going to start saying that it's a relic of a, of a, a time gone by. Now we need right. more stringent measures to check on how you guys mm -hmm. are doing and where you guys are. And you know what? We figured it out. Instead, we're just going to put a little chip in you. Right. And we'll make sure that that's you and nobody will ever be able to steal your identity because they can't take the chip out of you. Right. And we'll have all your information and your bank information, where you live, what you like, what your health is. It'll have everything for you. And you'll never have to worry again about about facial recognition not working. It, sound, it sounds like iHealth or, you know, those health apps on all your. Oh, yeah. Phones. Yeah. You have the iPhone. The new. Did you see the commercial for the new iPhone watch? 
No, the the latest one. It's no. like starts. It's such an iPhone commercial. So it's like <laughs> it, starts, <laughs> it starts off with this watch tells time, and then it goes into like a higher paced uh, theme song, and then it says like it also tells where you're going, also can track you underwater. It kind of it tracks you where you're wherever you're going. It tracks the electrical impulses that your heart makes. <laughs> like yeah, did it actually like, say that? Yes, Please. yes, ah! it did. It said it tracks the electrical impulse your heart makes and i'm like with wow right <laughs> and Jeez. it's you know so it's like it, to me it's like i think what is so pernicious about some of these um doomsday technologies is that they always come under the guise of like ooh novelty and convenience like right. ooh this is cool or oh this makes my life so much easier you know right. and and i think I think most of us kind of see that as like, okay, well, I, I'm okay with my life being a little bit difficult if it means that not everything is controlled, you know? That's how I see. I mean, and, and so my, my biggest fear with things like this is the moment these type of things become normal, and that's another thing with the inundation of these type of articles and stuff in so many different places. Like we we go look in particular places for them, but I promise you, the Inquirer <laughs> has a, a small paragraph that's alluding to the exact same thing. And so the mm -hmm. fact that it's leaking into so many different facets of media, I think that's the real fear is there's going to be misinformation is already there. So there's not going to be so much of a misinformation. To me, there's going to be this. It's it's not even it's, I wouldn't call it misinformation. It's not created information either. It's just so much information. You don't know what is useful. You know, or true there, or true. But there, but there's a difference between knowing. There's a difference between knowing that Mercedes has a new um, light on light fixture or light covering and knowing about the patent on that covering. You get me mm -hmm. like there. Some yeah. people don't need to know anything about the patent. You, you either like it or you don't. Yeah. Well, and I certainly think that, yeah, what you're hinting at is kind of one of the double-edged swords of the internet is that we, you know, you inundate a, a populace with basically omniscient. You can learn and know anything at any time. Mm -hmm. um, you find out that <laughs> too much, too much option can be kind of a bad thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it tends to overwhelm the human psyche because, you know, right. it's like, it makes it very hard to concentrate. It makes it very hard to, uh, to, um, actuate anything when you're awash in this sea of of potential it almost cripples you which is it's which right. is kind of ironic definitely makes you feel the way well the sea of opportunity is obviously something that uh is you know uh good for some things bad for you know but with regards to the good things, let's talk about our next story, which comes from Fast Company, where they talk about how water from air might be a process that will be beneficial for areas far separated from a water source. And these are uh, panels that do just that, convert uh, humidity in the air and make water out of it. Uh, the panels come from zero mass water. It's a uh, company that sources these hydro panels and they use the sunlight to absorb water vapor from the air uh, and then they uh, produce water 
uh, Zero Mass Water partner with local Navajo governments and Navajo Power, which is a public benefit corporation, uh, and they worked to install this on tribal lands. Uh, the project is a demonstration right now with 15 homes uh, receiving two panels each. So of the 30 panels, they're going to see what is produced from this. And hopefully there is more to come with that. Um, they, it's been funded by uh, Barclays and the Unreasonable Group, which is a, uh, a startup that sees potential in this technology being utilized in this climate region land yeah what are your guys thoughts on this approach i, I think like it's, it yeah i think it's fantastic um honestly I, I, there's we were talking just a little bit before the the episode like there's a lot of things essential things that we take for granted um in the i guess you would say non-res world um but the fact that there is a uh, a struggle to even have potable water is a indication that we are failing in a lot of respects as a country. Um, and I really do appreciate the ingenuity of, of private people that create these types of things to, in an effort to make things better because, you know, I think sometimes we rely heavily on government to make things right. And while that does work sometimes, I think in a lot of, respects it gets bogged down and becomes bureaucracy and um doesn't end up trickling down to the people that need it the most mm -hmm. that's why i think I, I i really appreciate initiatives from from private businesses that are willing to kind of put themselves on the map and and help communities that need it the most definitely I, to add to that part um i definitely think that it there there aren't enough private entities who are willing to extend unless they have some type of a shield in front of them mm -hmm. with saying that i'm very curious to know if uh when it says the barclays if that's the same as the ownership group over the barclays center and all that stuff going on uh over in new jersey and um it, it always makes me wonder when these kind of things do happen what stops the others from doing it like there, there can't only be one or two people who are willing or, or groups, excuse me, who are willing to participate. There has to be more. And I'm wondering, I'm constantly wondering, what are those obstacles? What what type of legislation is placed so heavily where you can't reach out and help your fellow man? Like, that's insane. Um, that's I think it's I think it's a mixture. Protection. Yeah, I think it's a mixture of maybe some certain leg legislations, but also bureaucracy. Also. You know, there's institutions propped up within that structure, not just, you know, native structures, but all, you know, like any structure that kind of sees over people um, that incentivizes the structure to not get everything perfect because then it makes them redundant. So I think that's a pernicious problem within these, you know, um, structures that, it, you know, aim to help people. The the issue is, is that if they did end up helping everybody, they would put themselves out of business. So in in a lot of respects, it's it's counterintuitive in some ways to fully help who you're aiming right. to help. Absolutely. And it's better yeah. to just kind of trickle it in. And I'm not saying that that's happening everywhere, but I do think that that happened a lot. And I think there are people who act as gatekeepers 
um, that are wanting their pockets padded before anything gets signed off on. Right. All about self. I understand that. Jesus. Yeah. But overall, I think this is an excellent move. I think it's really great. Again, like you said, that there is someone who is just willing, just mm -hmm. point blank period. They, I don't think they care if there is backlash, what the backlash will be. Hey, we did it. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, my next question for or my yeah question wouldn't be a concern. My next question would be, how do how does the rest of the community participate? You know, those who mm -hmm. don't have water already, those who need those kind of systems and uh, what type of research is going into the efficiency? Mm -hmm. You know, um, yeah. it's all cool to say they have it, but I'm I'm interested to know, you know, in four years or so, what is the consistency? What is the actual efficiency of this type of a system and how much does it help? Well, and I think that this is a really good argument for and this is going to be me <laughs> being a little bit too libertarian at this moment. And I necessarily agree with all of this philosophy, but I think this is a good demonstration of the efficiency of private business over the bureaucracy of government. Because mm. if you think about it, the, you were talking about quality and sustainability and stuff. The business has a priority to make thing, make sure that that stuff works. happens. Because yeah. then it, if it doesn't, it becomes non-profitable for them. Whereas if you have a government or some sort of organization that just gets pumped money no matter what, they have no incentive to actually complete what they set out to do. They don't need to have an incentive because even if they don't complete it, they still get paid. So I think that there's that to me kind of illustrates the power of a quote unquote free market, even though I don't necessarily believe in a free market, but the power of private business to yeah. be able to step in at certain times uh, to communities instead of government. And now that's become slippery too, because I don't necessarily want some giant corporation stepping in and then owning right. a town or whatever, <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, I think there's a balance that can be struck for sure. Definitely. Okay. Well, one thing I know that is interesting to, to, to see is, you know, with the example of the two panels, these two devices being set up in one home, my impression is that there is hopefully uh, enough output to sustain that household. I mean, there's got to be some mm -hmm. calculations with the um, yeah. for these, you know, uh, trial homes. I'm sure the they went through the like how many people live there yeah. uh, mm -hmm. from that, how much water they should be consuming per day, which should then translate to what's yielding out of these machines. And uh, it's interesting that this is being implemented, which is I, I think is great. Meanwhile, what about power banks? You know, uh, te mm. Tesla has a power bank you can install in your home. I'm surprised that there's mm. no, or there hasn't been enough startups to address that. And yeah, if you go on YouTube or, you know, and you search people that are trying to live off the grid, they have their own solar makeshift garden set up to power battery pa banks that then will run an AC or will run power overnight. Um, so I guess the scale of that is yeah still well I mean autonomy big, costs right? autonomy costs money and that's I think that that's one of the issues right so yes you could be somebody who lives off the grid and you know sustains themselves but you're going to be spending a good penny to make that happen make I don't think that a lot of you know obviously a lot of people don't have that ability to do the same thing so I think if we can 
lessen the cost for autonomy, then we're better off. And if we can get to that point, I don't know if we can, they're probably opposition, but if we can get to a point where economy can be, or uh, autonomy can actually be affordable, we might see a lot of issues solved. Right. I think we're definitely moving that way. No question. I would hope so, but I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I would hope so, but I'm not exactly excited because I know what Skynet is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yes, autonomy in some ways is is a good thing. Um, in others, uh, it should be a good thing. But uh, to give an example to this project that's going on, it seems like it's been streamlined and it's being um, the results are coming out in real time. Uh, which is important because the output again is water uh, and is a water source for for people. Um, but when we get back after our cheap plug, we'll talk about another autonomous concept that still seems to be taking a long time. More of that after again. Check out Thinkering.space for all of these uh, episodes of Thinkering. Also, Exofathom. If Numbers Can Talk, and The Plank with Joe, which uh, had its premiere episode, uh, re-premiere episode, um, on the last feed for those of you uh, on the podcatchers. And also, if you're on the socials, you'll see that uh, popped up yesterday. Yeah, just head on over to the website for more information on that. But more importantly, the merch. Please help support our cause we have our Thinkring shirts, our Thinkring mug, and our Exofathom shirt. More of these wonderful items will be available coming soon. Again, thinkring.space slash shop if you want to check out more of the merch you can get. So, as we were just talking about autonomy, our next story uh, comes from uh, Global Construction Review. And they talk about how Japan is uh, dealing with a labor shortage for construction workers. And so they have thought of autom- uh, autonom- autonomizing. Is that even a word? Uh, automating. Automating. Uh, I think construction both building. Well, okay. <laughs> like, uh, in this case, they are uh, constructing a dam uh, with the aid of robots. So the dam is slated to be about 276 feet in height and about 1,100 feet across in length. Uh, the concrete dam is being constructed by, uh, it's being constructed in May Prefecture, which is uh, southeast coast of Japan's main island. And these remote-controlled cranes are pouring concrete onto 50-foot square partitions to build the dam. So it's you know, just imagine Legos on a massive scale, but it is all being controlled by robots because this is a first uh, for this firm to do this construction. Uh, They still have some human interaction. They still have personnel on site. Uh, So small step to autonomy. Um, However, with any construction that we have all seen, with the exception of one epic video that you should all check out one day on YouTube of how uh, a Japanese uh, subway line was reconstructed overnight. They moved a tunnel, they moved rail, and they did not suspend service. Meanwhile, here in the States, especially 
down in SoCal in LA. <laughs> We're six years into a tunnel that uh, still can't be built. I digress. Uh, the construction for this dam is slated to be completed by 2023. So autonomizing things is sort of cool, but uh, still takes some time for other things to be produced. Well, I looked at or I Googled in short, so I can't really say what the uh, accuracy of it is, but I was questioning how long does it take typically to build a dam? And it was north of 10 years. So I'm figuring if they could get it done in the next two or three, I don't see what the reason, what, what would be the purpose of going back to a all human staff after learning you could do that? Whoa. Yes, sir. Um, humans need stuff to do. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I was going to rebuttal with. I mean, but, no, yeah. I mean, but I mean, fully, I mean, a fully, a full yeah. human staff after that, like, well, and at I that think, point, you're definitely yeah. going to decrease human, human interaction is going to decrease easily by 40%. Well, and I think you're right. Absolutely. And I think obviously automation is going to make things safer. It's going to make things better. It's going to be awesome. The world's going to be great, but millions of people are going to be out of work. Um, yeah. That's see. And, and this is the kind of like weird Hegelian dialectic that we're in right now with technology where it's like, we either have the option of we're like letting it, like getting rid of it entirely and going back to a, a more, <laughs> techless time or we need to fully automate into the Borg and, uh, you know, lose a lot of what it means to be human. And I think it's interesting that they say like, there's no market for, um, for construction workers there. And, uh, you know, like maybe that's, maybe that's true, but maybe it's also true that a company can save billions of dollars if it doesn't employ people. And I think that that's, that's kind of the way they're looking at it. And, to me, like there's, there is a balance that can be struck and I'm sure that, you know, a, a lot of countries will find where that balance is so that people can still have some sort of purpose. Um, you know, and I like that. I like that the trope is like, Oh, well, you know, you shouldn't derive your purpose from working for some corporation or, you know, company. Well, you know what? A lot of people derive their purpose from hard labor and work mm -hmm. because that's what we've been doing for millennia. And if you expect people to not be able to deride pur derive purpose from the job that they do, how can you ever expect a good job to be done? I mean, like you have to have pride in what you do and you have to enjoy the work. And it seems as though to me that there's just this like this sort of snotty ethos about work right now it's like mm -hmm. well why would you want to go back and and make that person money why would you want to go back and work for that company you know like when they're not really grasping the fact that a lot of people need work we need to do stuff and if we right. don't have that we're missing a big chunk of what we identify ourselves with no absolutely uh i think but i think it also no excuse me back up not but adding yeah. <laughs> adding to that i also believe it relates heavily back to um what we understand and know of roman days right so imagine one of the be best jobs back in even before roman days was being a soldier then you went from being a soldier like being a soldier was it. either you were a soldier or you were a farmer and mm -hmm. then you went from being soldiers and war times weren't high so then they built the Colosseum and all of the soldiers who eventually became criminals, because this is what they've been trained to do, they were thrust into the Coliseum to become combatants now, right? Mm -hmm. 
at some point that be that dropped out just like being a soldier uh, as a, a main profession dropped out in some places and then you get to the point we are now i could only imagine what it was like when you know people didn't want to be a uh, coliseum soldier anymore like you don't want to fight in the coliseum what are you saying mm -hmm. so yeah. i'm sure that fight back uh, is going to exist no matter which direction any of this goes the main question is with all of that fight back like what is, what is the end goal what is the end game so what what i see is by decreasing the amount of brutality that people had or or that society was allowing to just be out in front of everyone regularly we probably became a little more intellectually accepting right whatever you would mm -hmm. consider intellectual but accepting of it before that i mean for i think probably until 10 years ago you get beat up for being a nerd being too smart mm -hmm. right Right. But um, so, you know, over time, those things only became more accepted, more accepted, more accepted. So in this time, I don't think it's not but, working. I think it's the difference of working for someone else versus just having some understanding what you like to do with your hands, what you like to do with your brain, what you like to do with your body. Um, I, I think of the guy who has to climb to the top of those light towers, like in a, uh, like the airplane fields, right? Like in the middle of Kentucky somewhere. Mm -hmm. That guy just wants to be a free climber for fun. Luckily enough, he gets paid north of 190 grand to do it a year. He only Lots has to do money. it three times a year. Yeah. Right. But it, it has nothing to do with the money. He only has to do it two or three times a year. And guess what he's doing when he's not getting paid? Living his he's, life. He's living his life and still free climbing the side of somebody's mountain, doing the exact same thing, just not for a paycheck. You mm -hmm. take an NBA player out the NBA, I promise you, they're still going to be bouncing a ball on somebody's court. You well, know? and I think we had this conversation probably a few episodes ago, and it pops up, you know, but um, it was the concept that we do as a society, unless automation is the way we're going, um, which it obviously seems like that's the way we're going. But if we were to combat that at all, it would have to be putting more emphasis on the jobs that keep society running instead of the ones that are go. easy to glorify. Yeah. It's easy to glorify doctors. It's easy to glorify, you know, firefighters. It's easy to glorify celebrities, especially, um, and creative types. But, right. you know, you don't see people glorifying the waste management people. You don't see gl people glorifying the line layers like you're talking yeah. about, the but electricians, the, the plumbers. The ice cream man doesn't even get a thank you. I've seen it. No, exactly. The small business people like there's no glorification of the things that keep this society running, which is dangerous because we're we're creating generations of people who don't want anything to do with that type of work like we're seeing in Japan. Nobody wants to become a construction worker anymore. Right. So what right. do you have when you have a population of people that don't want to be construction workers anymore? Well, you just use robot the potential work pool for that, you know, potential what could have created jobs for millions of people. Now that door has been shut right and now. It won't ever be opened again because robots are better. One, well, the one thing I will bring up too, because, and this is not me, uh, uh like challenging that, uh, but I could see where one could make a, a point that it's, it's a double edged sword, right? It's, whether or not the company could stay afloat and if their mm. cost to automate compared to uh, actual labor uh, saves their company. But we can't use that, that as a metric because that's always going to be true 100% of the time. 
So you can justify it getting though? rid of, like, yeah, you can justify no, no, no. getting I rid mean, of anybody, basically, if you want to automate. <laughs> I mean, it'll well, always no, be cheaper so, to automate. It did, uh, well, I don't think it would. I, I have this impression that th we've been told mm. that it would be cheaper. I don't think it would because let's, uh, let's, let's play out a scenario. Um, if you have robotic equipment, I mean, actually, let me take a step back. Even the most basic, uh, 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 I think it's called a PLC. It's a machine that uh, boxes packages. Uh, mm -hmm. They, you know, fold the box, contains whatever product inside. It tapes it up and pushes it on. I can't tell you the number of times in my uh, previous experiences of, of employment where I have seen these machines malfunction and you had to have some technician come out um, that, that obviously they were there for this exact purpose is that the machine will malfunction. There's no machine for the machine to fix the machine. Yeah, right? but is, like, it, is it more cost effective to hire 100 people to do your warehouse job or have two robots and one tech? It's more cost effective to have two robots and one tech and then the 99 people don't get a job. That's what I mean. It's always more cost effective to automate, even if you have to have one or two techs to run the machines. And and your and and further, the concept is is technology is always getting better. So you're going to have less breakdowns. You're going to have less opportunity for people to come in and make adjustments. You know, because automation is just going to keep getting better and better. Keep running. Right, but then this this also goes into line with how companies. Uh, do run like I can't you I can't see any one of us trying to pitch to a company oh we have the latest and greatest of what you already have you should buy this like the the, the concept and the mindset that I know a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs definitely have is they don't like the idea of spending money to replace things that aren't that are not broke like they're they're obsolete but they're not broke yeah but it as I said if it affects your bottom line and yeah. you can save money in your business. That's what you're going to do every time. Yeah, I think and automation this is, is a this long term. It's but, all it's it, it's an inevitability, unfortunately, of just the way business works. I guess because it's uh, it's always going to be more cost effective to go with the least manpower you can. Like cuts takes like forty percent of most businesses' costs. It may be even up to sixty sometimes. Well, so also, like it's a big big cut. Right. I mean, well, and you also consider when you're hiring an employee, it's not just the payroll check that you're worried about. Insurance, litigation, um, have, yeah, all of those kind of yeah. things. Health. You got uh, nowadays, I want to say they have to pay for our uh, health care for pretty much everybody, even down to the the temps have some type of a contract in place. Right. Or you just um, cut your employees 28 hours so you don't have to pay them health care. Yeah. Or. Yeah. I mean, that's what a lot of businesses and who, do. Who really, really, at the end of the day, is going to tell you that? Oh, I'll never do that. The fuck? Right, right, exactly. And I don't. Never. I'm just saying, when you look at the way companies have to run, I, I totally get what you're saying, and I agree to an extent. But Nick is with with the whole automation totality. It makes way more sense. No, no matter what avenue you look at it, even if you consider what we do, right? If Somebody else was funding. Wait, never mind. I'll set it off here. I'm not giving anybody any ideas. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Back no, up, but back I want to say, Jose, like, like I, I totally though, right? <laughs> yeah. 
I, I totally, I, I really actually want you to be right. I don't really want to be right about this, but it's just, it's, so to me, this is the inevitability of this whole situation. Like it just, I want people to have jobs. I want people to be able to work and, you I know, agree, not yeah. have and I know you do too. I, I really feel like this is, this is kind of an inevitability. We've, we've painted ourselves in this corner that the only option is to get rid of people. Right. And I think that that's like, it's unfortunate. It makes the business more money, but it also leaves the people without anything to do. And uh, we'll even think of, uh, okay, let's, let's look at sports right now, right? Sports is importing their fans uh, virtually. So you could, we could be sitting here and I'm now I'm on a screen, right? I'm at the game. Mm -hmm. How much money do you save in stadium costs and employees and concession and, all I gotta do yeah. is get a projector and pay for a Zoom, and then the people pay you to be on the on and your screen. Definitely, <laughs> you know they're paying because I want to say yeah, that you have to have a certain package with the the thing. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah sure. one of the uh, things I just heard, people are dropping like a hundred and forty six dollars for a, to, to be a virtual fan or to have yep. their picture on the seat uh, <laughs> in a, a cardboard game. cut out of them. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Whoever I, came I, up I understand. With that. I mean, no. Kudos to the to the uh, it's pretty brilliant genius, mind yeah. there. But on the flip side, again, are, are, aren't we going through a moment in time right now where we should not be spending money on things we don't need to spend money on? We, and would this qualify for that? Because I, I, I'm not saying I'm not at all saying that you should not be a sports fan. No, I'm not. no, certainly not. Yeah. No, no, I, I agree. But I, I, I think it's like we've been kind of talking about consolation prizes over the past like few weeks. This is consolation prizes for sports fans. Right. You know, like the, what sports fans really want to go do is go to a game yeah. and watch. They you know, like, they don't yeah, care. They would. And that's the issue is that so the, these the stadiums had to give consolation prizes because they're like, we start the season. People are going to stand outside the stadium, even if we don't let them in. They'll still stand them. outside the stadium just right. to be near the so game. They have to put something you know? up. Think think yeah. about this. You have these players, right? Some of them want to be there. Some of them don't. They basically told the ones who don't want to be there. So you know that contract you got, right? Yeah. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. You fill in the blank. So, and then you even have some sports right now because you have one sport that, you know, most of the sports that are currently active, they all have their bylaws and stuff in place. You have one sport that's on its way back with, nothing that's it there's nothing else to say about it there's it's nothing dave there's nothing oh by the way hockey nah hockey's they're in good shape nobody's Uh, playing over there really by the way keelan we gotta talk about that bubble at some point off air oh my god we will talk about i got things i got things to talk about (laughs) i got jokes about the bubble but i have real concerns about the bubble so anybody who listen we ain't saying nothing on air but real Mm. concerns about the bubble Love yes. entertainment, but real concerns about real, the Yeah, there's some real uh, conspicuousness going on with that bubble. <laughs> it's, I don't know if it, I'm going to also say this. I don't know if it's swaying my opinion on politics or if it's swaying my opinion on conspiracy, but. Mm. <laughs> right. I know. I tell you what. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. um, no. So in, in totality. I think the whole thing is going to come down to with, with the automation and the way things are working. Cause even those situations that we're talking about sports, a lot of automation has come into those. Mm-hmm. So it's really going to come down to 
not just how much are they saving, but what is productivity like? How how long will automation be able to sustain the same level and or a higher level of productivity? Because that's that's where your money is. Your money is in your output. So if you mm. if you can't get the job done, I don't care how much of a great game these uh, these tech people talk when they come in to sell their robots. If the game is not meeting the standard of what's out there in the world, they're not going to be in uh, competition long. And unfortunately, I think this can also become one of the highest monopolized situations when you when someone mm -hmm. really is able to master not just what the the like you know making a robot that can wave its arm like this. Like no, when you're able to master the coding aspect mm -hmm. of it all, you know yeah. that's the part that's like you can make the machine do whatever it wants to, but when you have the programming to control that, that's when it's really going to get really scary. And I think that's where the entire situation is going to be taken over. So we have, we're, we're wild away. We're wild away, but I don't yeah. think we're as far as we want to be. Well, and I wonder if there's a silver lining here because I, as you were speaking about the sports and, you know, I'm just thinking about the experience because I'm like, if I'm going to do, if I'm going to watch sports, I want to be at the game. Like I'm, I'm not a really a sports on TV type person. I just don't feel that same excitement that it would if I was at a game, you know, like except yeah. MMA. I'm totally fine. Well, MMA for sure. Yeah, me too. Actually, that's that's fair. That's fair. But that's because it's just so brutal. Um, oh, no, but, I just don't think I get any of the same angles. <laughs> maybe that's true. That's true. Yeah. You'd be in a bad seat or in the yeah, nosebleed or something. Yeah. You won't see anything. Um, but no, I think there might be a silver lining to all this and that. I think we will see certain aspects of this automation make things worse and not keep the same magic. And so I think that that is going to play out in a certain respect in sports. I don't know which sport it'll be the most, but right. I feel like there will be a little bit of the magic that's lost because of the fact that everything's digital. People can't go see it. You can't, you like they're, they're piping in crowd noises and it just feels because you see cardboard cutouts in the background. It's like North Korea. Yeah. It's like watching a, a game in North Korea where they just put like cardboard figures in the background and make it look like it's populated. It's really blurry, creepy. Blurry, have a real fuzzy and blurry really quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, um, what, I, what I will say about the sports aspect of it all. I Okay, so I've been watching pretty much everything on. Mm. Um men's women's WNBA, nba baseball hockey you name it soccer anybody they're letting play i'm pretty much tuning in right um yeah. what i find and i was really just interested to see how everyone was going to start i'm sure i'm going to trickle down to my favorites soon but there are certain things i'm noticing and as someone who has played and enjoyed sports myself you know regularly not going to talk about all of that but um Something I notice is you have the ability to let go when you don't have the pressure of 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 people. Yeah. Hey, are you going to make that? Are you? Yeah. It, it does change some things. Um, there's a saying you have the practice superstar. You know, there's somebody who just plays so much better when the lights aren't as hot. But of course. when, of you course. know, so I think that that <laughs> isn't into, that. And that kind of cheapen the achievement of those athletes that are able to perform clutch with 40,000 people screaming in a sense. But I think those guys get a chance to turn it up, too. That's fair. Um, I mean, some, I would something agree. I consider uh, I'll use the NBA for a perfect example. There was a play the other day where a guy, if you ask me, 
the size of these guys and knowing that there's so many people and kids in the stands and stuff, you can't always go all out. You can't use all your strength and all your sweet because you're risking them as well, right? Mm. I saw a play where the ball got smacked so hard, you would have swore if someone was sitting there in a seat, excuse me, sorry about that. If someone was sitting there in a seat, they would have caught a concussion. Mm-hmm. Point blank, period. They would have caught a concussion. Well, and I would have really liked to see that. I would have liked to see loved somebody to see with courtside <laughs> seats getting a, a basketball and, and to I've the seen, face. <laughs> I've seen, I've been at games where like, you know, the big guy is diving into the crowd. So I've seen yeah. those too. But right. there are certain things about the NBA. I'm Specifically, I'm using the NBA as an example. I tell people regularly, you don't know how strong these guys really are. You don't know what it's like to see them go all out because they have to hold back. Not just because they're mm. in a system. This system, what I'm watching, WNBA, NBA specifically, because I'm talking about basketball, right? It almost looks like circuit games again. Like they're they're feeling young. Mm. They're feeling fresh. Mm. They don't have the pressure of, like I said, the five, six-year-old where you can't say, fuck, fuck this dude, <laughs> you know? You And you're not running the risk because with everything being controlled like by the automation and everything being filmed on camera and they're not being anyone except the, the inner circle really being around, the games are delayed. Mm. So you're free to talk a little bit wilder. You're able to, to like I said, perform a little harder. You know, um, I think there is a bittersweet. I totally get what you mean when you say there are people who who can't do it and there are people who can do it. So the people that mm. can do it, do I think they're being held back or they're, they're, it's not being appreciated on the same level? No, I think they're able to do more. Uh, and to say that is to just go look at the stat line, go look at the numbers. <laughs> yeah, but no, um, I, I would agree. And I, I think you're absolutely right. I think my only point is that there's a certain level of, so before COVID, with mm. sports, there was a certain level of composure that people also took into factor when they thought about their athletes that they liked. Right. And when you eliminate the need for that composure, yes, you will see it transform in other ways, but I wonder what it takes away from the actual playing experience. Because I, I really do think oh, that yeah. there's something that's lost when there isn't a large crowd watching. And yes. I don't know whether it's a collective energy that like push to, to persevere, to push farther than you can, you know, having the roar of a crowd, you know, like supporting you. And like, you know, every time you make a shot, everybody's up in the air and just going crazy. Like that has to also play into that's effect for it, an yeah. athlete. For I totally sure. Agree. I totally agree. I, I know for sure that's a part of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think, if, you know, like, if it's not, then half of the sports uh, uh, community is nuts. Well, wait. Yeah. We well, I think ultimately right now we the, might be. The, the players get to enjoy a little bit of, you know, vacation and and yeah. kind of just playing the sport as the sport is. But we're going to need our coliseums back. Oh, we're going to yeah. need soon. We're going to need our gladiators back soon or else soon. things are going to get sticky. Right. And, and that's exactly the point <laughs> I was making before is we still have it in different facets. We just have to understand mm -hmm. where it is. Right. Well, from uh being a cardboard piece on a seat to be able to watch that's the other thing that cracks me up is that your fans <laughs> are doing this being they're a cardboard fixture on a on a on a stadium seat or they're on a ta uh, a tablet that's you know mounted to the seat right 
you know, it still looks it, terrible either way. Too. It still yeah. looks terrible, but but the the person is watching themselves. That's that. that yeah, why, it's why? vanity. Why? It's vanity. <laughs> Let's look. I can see myself on TV. Hey. <laughs> hmm. it, a, there's know, a lot of vanity to it. Yeah. That just created yeah. a rabbit hole in my head that I'm not going to go into on air. <laughs> and thankfully, live television does not allow this feature to be implemented. Oh, that yeah. Netflix has finally implemented. YouTube has had it for a long time. Uh, but why am I drawing a blank on this book reading platform? Audible? Audible, yes. Mm. Audible's had it for a long time. Uh, to speed up or slow down? Well, folks, Netflix has brought it to its platform. So this article comes from The Verge, and they're talking about how now Netflix will let you change the speed to what you want. People will be able to stream at either uh, half speed, quarter speed, uh, or sped up to uh, quarter above and half above the normal speed. Uh, playback speed options are also available on downloaded titles uh, that people have saved for offline viewing. Uh, subscribers must opt into the playback speeds with every single title they want to watch. Uh, that way it prevents, you know, if you were going from one show, if you're, you know, binge watching Grey's to binge watching uh, uh, Indian Matchmaker, you don't get too mixed up with the speeds. Two shows I recommend, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the feature is ro- rolled out this past week, and then it'll be available globally to everyone uh, in the next coming weeks. And I don't know about you guys, but growing up, one thing that irked me the most as a kid, as an adolescent, as a young adult, as a current adult, allegedly, um, (laughs) is where you're watching one show on one channel. And this is for like a cable scenario because I haven't seen it on over the air. Thankfully, I have not seen it on over the air. But for uh, cable or satellite television channels, um, if you watch one show on one network, and you tune into another network. Do you notice that some playback speeds on the shows are faster because they want to squeeze in more commercial time? Aggravates sure. me so much. So now my question to you is: Why would you want to use this feature on Netflix? I mean, it's that's the same that's reason. My answer: Why? Yeah. Why? It's the same reason you would want to watch an amended film. It's no right, or a made-for-TV movie that cuts out <laughs> like you know forty minutes of it. Yeah, like yeah, makes no well, sense. Who is this for? Who is this? I, for? Oh, oh, I know who it's for. Wait, wait. Oh, no. enlighten me. Please. We know exactly who it's for. I'm gonna tell you who it's for. It's right. for the kids. And if it's not in the in the non-kids, it's for it's for the other people who feel like they're in such a rush, but they have all this information they want to cram because they want to catch up on their show because someone else watched it and they just have to talk about it. Oh yeah, I saw that. Did you see? Yeah, I saw that. Oh, you didn't see it. That's who it's for. Those people. Uh, If you don't have the time to watch a TV show, maybe just it's normal time to entertain. Yeah, like. Hey, listen. You know my favorite thing about Netflix? I watch that shit on my time. If you don't have forty-two minutes to spend on a TV show, then why are you watching TV in the first place? I don't. I honestly, this makes no sense. And I get, you know, Keelan, your your point. Perhaps it is for the kids. Maybe speeding songs that played on, like, you know, the kid side of Netflix or something. Maybe. But yeah, there's a bunch of musicals, you know, Les Miserables yeah, or something. But like, I honestly. 
really don't understand. Like, I don't even use it in the YouTube sense unless somebody like comments on like a video and like, hey, play this at half the speed. It's really funny. <laughs> like, all right. Well, I mean, there's some occasions I, I, I where you like you watch a YouTube video and it, it's it for copyright reasons and you know because they don't want to get demonetized or get flagged or get put down they speed it up and then in the comments they tell you slow it down so you can watch it at normal like at it would be normal speed but it's not the same like no i, I, I think it's a crap feature long. on anything other than a production tool yeah what or or, or, or well or like a an audio like something yeah, yeah something audio related audio only but visual mm -hmm. you're nuts well you're nuts. now yeah. you brought up something that just made me kind of think a little bit. Um, what if Netflix is tracking this as an algorithm to see run times? This can get interesting because what if Netflix becomes the first uh, uh, distribution network? I guess it's the best way I could describe them. Yeah. Uh, in this instance, that will actually find the sweet spot, the current sweet spot, because we've all been taught, Ooh. you know, 30 minute shows, technically 27 minute shows with three minute commercial run times. Um, 42 minute shows for hour long normal run times with the gap obviously being filled with commercials and those what if they make a what if they're doing this as an attempt to figure out what is the attention span that they want to focus in on it'll be kind then of funny to find out yeah then they're marketing to people with ADD man who I mean like honestly if you if you can't yeah like like so yeah, that's basically it. So we're just going to have, you know, 13 minute episodes of everything so that people who can't sit down for 42 minutes to watch a show can have a show that right. is what I mean, like, honestly, this to me, this seems like a feature that some executives intern who's also their family member brought up. You know, and they were like, yeah, this is a great call. Young Johnny's got the right idea. All the kids love speeding up their TV shows at ha half the speed. Like, come, what? Who? Who? I don't know. I, I, who slows it down? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, who, who slows, slows it down? down? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who's trying to watch something at half the speed? Jeez Louise. Uh, Probably uh, a horror yeah, yeah. movie or something, right? Maybe. Maybe if trying you want, to, like, I'm just trying to scare my wanted, spouse. Like, I thought I it was funny. You're watching yeah. like one of those uh, nature documentaries, you know, like you could watch one of those nature uh, documentaries where the yeah, shark okay, jumped out of that. the water or something, and you want to slow ever... that down. Like, yeah. sorry, you just made yeah. me remember when, uh, which of course this is on Netflix, but but for the sake of this moment, uh, Disney Plus is what uh, I observed this in, and Nick, you were there with me when we saw this. Mm clip of uh one oh, of the yeah. nat, nat geo shows where <laughs> the it, was so brutal, dude. it was horrible i that would be that would be evil for somebody to yeah. want to watch that at any speed <laughs> that's very true that's very true yeah, yeah that was a disney channel show too that was surprising wasn't it like birds you know brutalized and stuff being brutalized yeah oh, no God. it's uh what was it uh wild wild nature is yeah, that was the name of the show. Like yeah, something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, Wild Earth. Yeah, probably. Oh, that is a show actually. Wild Earth, I think. Or Wild Planet. Wild Planet. I think that's what it's called. Check out the bird episode if you want to know what we were talking about. Trust me, in the first ten minutes you'll understand completely what we're talking about. <laughs> certainly, Look, certainly first, not. First, figure true. out which show we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's on Disney Plus. Just. Uh, oh, okay. That's easy fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, who needs it? Why is it news? What does it matter? 
Netflix. I mean, like just just do what you do best, Netflix. Make a whole bunch of 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 shows and not know where your money comes from. I think that's what's really going on. I think they're bored in the Netflix offices. Must be. They must be they're bored. How how do we tank? How do we tank our stock? We're making too much money. Give them an option to speed it up and slow it down. Oh. How does Netflix justify its money? I don't, I don't understand. And I think we're going to find out some way. Extortion. Well, they're getting money from somebody. They're getting money from somebody. They're not getting oh, it sure. from their subscribers. I mean, come on. It's all about the ad revenue, man. Uh, look, Where? Like, I've never seen an ad on Netflix. Yeah, I Who's getting ads on their Netflix? No, I've never no, gotten only an ad, ad I've ever seen on Netflix. It goes, doom. Yeah. So oh, I don't ad. know where the ad revenue is coming from. Hulu at least has, you Hulu know, ads everywhere. Yeah. They're clearly partnered with CBS or one of those. NBC, probably. There too. You go. They have a lot of NBC shows. Yeah. True. But yeah, Netflix, on the other hand, I'm not going to talk no more because. Yeah. Well, from trying to figure out where revenue comes from, uh, be it at uh, quarter speed, half speed, or double speed, um, let's segue to another company that is trying to figure out another revenue stream by making something go twice speed. Ben, don't know why you would want to go at quarter speed. But anyways, uh, next article that we're going to talk about comes from Electric. It is a website that talks about e-bikes and... Uh, I don't know how many of you have heard of e-bikes in, since the beginning of this year because it has actually become a interesting thing to uh, acquire about. Um, a lot of people in a lot of metropolis areas, um, yeah, let's face it, public transportation is uh, probably not something you want to be going into so now you got to think of alternates and um, you know for the years that nick and i have always uh, vouched of bicycling as the way to go um the society has spoken and they agree somewhat but in the form of an electric bike which i actually don't really uh have complaints about um i've had complaints about the the electric scooters that you can get you know uh, with the convenience of any startup that allows these to exist now i don't think that's the case anymore because the demand has dropped but a lot of people have because a lot of people have realized that uh maybe not spending that much money per month um could actually translate and just into the investing into one of these and taking it home um but ducati it's a motorcycle company and they are uh, they are big on this e-bike push uh they introduced four models uh, in total so far this year and they're all based uh, to be used in the s- cities and uh, off-road. Uh, the range is one thing I know that is a big discussion amongst a lot of e-bike uh, enthusiasts because you need a bigger battery to be able to get more distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last three years, I want to say, there has been improvements, and that was mostly because of the, the e-scooter uh boom that happened um i don't see e-scooters being the go-to going forward i i I actually do see e-bikes becoming more uh of the conversation but not because of the fact that you can buy an e-bike the conversion kits 
the conversion kits have been around for almost a decade, but they were more expensive. But now with the demand of more batteries being made and more mortars being produced, the price of conversion kits to convert your currently owned bicycle is pretty affordable, like less than $500, actually less than $200 in some aspects, if you trust the battery, because some of these are shipped from questionable sources. Not saying a particular country, but just saying the way that the battery is made and housed. Uh, you know, I don't know if you yeah. want to roll around with that. Oh, the only okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna just say one cynical thing, and then I promise I won't say anything cynical about this. Leave it to humans to create something that originally was totally eco friendly, and then put a big lithium battery on it that. <laughs> that people in Africa have to <laughs> dig up out of the ground. <laughs> Anyways, that's the only cynical thing I'm going to say. I do appreciate electric bicycles, but I just think it's kind of ironic. <laughs> well, again, yeah, yeah. this is one of those things where like we there's there's a practicality to automatic. It's something new to the states. Uh, from what I've read over the last couple of months, it's actually been something that's very popular in the Asia Pacific region and very popular in Europe. Mm. Yet I mm -hmm. don't ever see anyone talking about it until, you know, I, you know, it's, do some it's really YouTube big. Searching. It's really big in the Netherlands. It's really big in, um, yeah, a lot of European and then East Asian countries for sure. Um, I think what we, I think the biggest issue that America has, and when we look at these countries and say, look how great they're doing it, we're not taking into consideration that those nations have like four, four million people or yeah. 11 million people, you know, like, I, and I think to illustrate your, your, your uh, point about scooters, like the reasons the scooters didn't work is because we can't have nice things because we have way too many right. people out there and it's not, it's not like we have this very cohesive, you know, um, sort of like country that that is homogenous, you know, like Scandinavia or East Asia, like with the same values and same ideas and stuff. We live in a huge melting pot of people. And so when you have 33 or 330 million people, you're going to get people that throw those things into the river. You're going to get people that, you know, like try to steal them. You're going to get people that use them nicely. And uh, I. I I think what this e-bike thing is a really good step. Um, I think that they can work on making it more sustainable for sure. But I think it's an interesting step. But I would really like, you know, personally, I would love to see, and I think even our government could do this, create a town and like go take a place in the middle of nowhere. Make a town in which utilizing these types of technologies is, is what the town is designed around. Designed for because I want to see what it would look like in a town that actually optimizes this type of use. Because that's when I think we're really going to have these things catch is that they become so easy to use and and convenient that people don't think about, you know, oh, I'm going to take my car. Oh, no, I could just jump on the e-bike real quick. You know, now, are we are we talking less campus style? Because I would think Silicon Valley is very close to that with the Google campus and all of that type of stuff around. Well, they're very close to their homogeneity of other countries for sure. Right. Um, but well, the one thing I I'll say, see, yeah, go for that. It, I, 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 I'm observing up here in the Bay area, um, which you believe it or not, guys, people don't like to buy things. 
they rather just <laughs> have the convenience of just renting clicking it. something, renting it because uh, yeah. they don't have to carry it around. Yeah. Uh, I don't get me wrong. I've seen some intelligent minds actually make the realization and because on average, I could tell you with certainty that a person that does a Monday through Friday commute in the Bay Area renting a scooter will spend about at the least $242 a month. That's a pretty that's a pretty penny. Yeah. 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 And it's and it's not just the the the, the scooters. I mean the, the I've you know, decided to take a couple of trips on the on the normal bicycles now. Well, bef- before things shut down, um, they were transitioning to e-bikes to rent out, you know. Um, but I was, you know, I always caught the batch of the normal bikes. Mm. Same cost, same cost as the scooter. Yeah. So and again, I only did that a few times. But if I were to have done that every day, Monday to yeah, Friday for a cost. month. Right. Like, what? What am I? What, what am I thinking? What am I doing? <laughs> right. What is Joe? All right. Yeah. You you are a convenience uh, consumer. Right. A expendable yeah, no. expendableism. That's what we can call it. Expendableism, mm-hmm. where it's like you don't want to own one thing and just keep it nice. Just own um or just rent a million things that are always nice when you rent them. You right. know, like. Uh, I think that there's there's obviously a convenience uh, for sure in that. But I think ultimately, too, we need to kind of rein that in just a touch. Um, because the issue with this whole rent economy, and I really like, you know, ha- like if I if if I were younger and I, you know, like not having a car and stuff to have those scooters around would have been major, man. Like I can only remember how many times I woke up 30 minutes late to open a Starbucks 10 miles away from where I work and I have to bike there. You know, like I would have really like I would have loved to have one of those scooters right outside. I could just jump on that and be at work in like 15 minutes instead of like an hour. You know, so yeah, exactly. And just, you know, like half asleep trying to wake up while I'm scooting down. Um, I, I think what we what we have to do, though, is is cultivate more personal responsibility because it really is the ethos of like, this is why we can't have nice things. If people are ruining stuff and like I think the scooter thing is a perfect example of this, like the idea was good. It was meant to help society. Then it became a nuisance because people didn't know how to act respond within the parameters of this new thing that they got. And further, a lot of people acted irresponsibly and destroyed the property and treated it like, ter- you know, like cred, mm-hmm. you know, so like it, really, if we want to have this sort of like utopian society in which like nobody needs for anything, we also need to bring in a certain level of pride and ownership and community. You can't just have the utopia without the responsibilities. You also have to be a part of that utopia and, 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 and contribute to it. So I think that it would be great to see a town that models itself towards these technologies, towards these initiatives, you know, towards sharing, towards, you know, electric scooters, electric bikes, you know, solar panels, uh, you know, like the the water collection system that we just featured, like things like that. Like, let's let's see how that works in a town. And I'm sure there are towns that would adopt it, you know, like think of a town that's, you know, that's suffering, that's only got like 30,000 people and needs a lot of help. Like, 
why can't we approach said town and say, hey, look, this is what we want to try. And are you guys interested? You know, because um, we don't have famous names. Right. No, you know, exactly. you know, you're waiting to say, hmm. <clears throat> well, then where's our revenue going to come from? Right. Yeah. 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 Of course. Yeah. Well, no. And, and that's a fair that's a fair question. I mean, like we still need to make sure that in integrating all of this like good renewable technology that there's still jobs and i think that there mm-hmm. can be because all we need to do is you know like the people that were working on oil rigs can now move to solar paneling and wind wind power turbines. you know turbine like you know like if if we invest in those people to have you know the skills to work with these different technologies then at least you know, like we 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 don't leave them behind, you know, and I think that that's the biggest that's the biggest struggle is like, how do we progress without leaving people behind? Uh, I don't I have know. an answer for that one. No, I don't have an answer to that either. Um, that's that's yeah. not the rhetoric we're being fed here, Nick. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> I know, I know. My wife uh, tells me every day, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm kidding. No, okay, but but in all seriousness, uh, and, I, and I mean this, in all seriousness, I, I think we need to uh, jump on a, a, a good, approved, well-reviewed, well-built, uh, well-sourced um, conversion kit to some of our bicycles. I do, I... Yeah, you know, I, I, I think we I think spent it's a great last... call. Yeah, no, no, maybe, but reasonable. but your your bike. Mm. And oh, I have a frame. I, I need to, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I I need to yeah. get a I need to get a bike soon. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, considering where we just take we the were... throne that I have in the in the backyard, man. Take that yes, frame yes. and build a conversion. I'm not going to use. So <laughs> yes, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, but again, considering that we are. Uh, a decade separate from where we were on our fixed geared bikes to now adding a conversion kit to those fixed geared bikes. Uh, you know, it's, although that yeah. would be that would be interesting because that's like the no, no. oh my god, your legs would be broken for sure. <laughs> oh. uh, can you imagine going forty <laughs> miles per hour on a fixed gear? Your legs would just be moving like that. Um, you know, what's funny is that it reminds me is that when we were riding around 10 years ago on our little fixed gear bikes, um, I did see a guy with a conversion kit and I raced him. Yeah, he matched going, us. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. You were there too. We tried racing him down Venice and then obviously he peeled out real quick, but uh, yeah, uh, that was not I, fair. It yeah. Not well, fair. of course, you know, I, I, we were purists back then, but you know, in you, our older you years, yourself, right. like days later, you know, this yeah. one random bicyclist on a bike path that, uh, you know, this is the stereotypical, like, oh, I'm oh, going to put on yeah. everything, you know, yeah. cause I'm a, I'm a weekend warrior. Yeah. Um, bicyclist. The aerodynamic suit and everything. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. It didn't work. <laughs> the, the alien no. helmet? Did they have the alien no. helmet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The long, oh, no. like, sort of helmet. Yeah. Yeah. We used to do that all the time on the bike path. We would, like, you know, hang out. And then as soon as one of those guys passed us, I just slam on it and just, <laughs> I'd let, I let him get ahead a little bit and then just slam on it and blow the doors right off of him. That's just because funny. those guys are jerks. So. Yeah. Cause why not? Yeah. You know, it's fun. Plus, yeah. I was wearing jeans and a t shirt and this guy's wearing spandex. You know, it's like, come on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> and and shaving is 
weeks. Like, come on, bro. Oh, you no. don't need to shave that meter of, of time off of your Went to the, the fastest lane. Here, did you shave this yeah. right here on my back? I can't get <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I, I got... I got three milliseconds of drag because of the hair on my legs. Yeah. So I shaved this off. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, memories, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. So the the and it'll be interesting to see how uh, uh, conversion kits or e bikes get brought into another uh, uh, aspect of the of that market. Because yes, the Tour de France, I'm pretty certain it's going to you know be you know stick to its truer nature. But how much you want to bet someone's going to come up with some micro conversion kit embedded in the bike and not say a word and beat record times? You know, <laughs> that would be pretty interesting for sure. Um, yeah, I could see I could see that how that work. I mean, I doubt I highly doubt. We'll ever use any sort of automation, but yeah, somebody could certainly eat. Um, but I think that that goes back to kind of like what we were this whole theme of this whole episode is it's like I feel like the old man on the porch, like saying, I don't want any more technology. And um, I think that there's something to that, there's something to not letting technology do everything for you, You're allowing yourself a little bit of. A little bit of autonomy for you to be the person that pr propels your bike instead of having a machine propel your bike for you maybe just use your legs that's what they're there for <laughs> i think it'd be pretty yeah. easy too. and for those of you watching the video feed enjoy the next uh, moment and for those listening you in with the podcasters oh, just just uh know that i'm oh, about God. to share a photo of Nick and myself oh. from 2009. So dorky. <laughs> oh, that is epic. And oh, bro. Oh, geez. Look at that. Uh, uh, yep. <laughs> nice. That was a nice bike, by the way. And the my oh, bike man, was I love George that. Will. Yeah. Yeah. We both had pretty good bikes back then. I'm cheeky, man. I still think about it. Yeah. She's uh, definitely <laughs> one of the best. That Those was with Remy, days. right? That was with Remy. Yeah, nice. I still got to get him on the show too. at some, yeah. some point. Yeah. All right. Well, enough of going down memory lane. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, before we uh, roll on to our, our last story of the day, um, thank you so much for listening in so far on this episode. As always, please check out thinkring.space for this show. Uh, Excel Fathom, Nick, uh, you want to give a breakdown of the last episode uh, that yeah last week um for sure yeah we just finished our last week we did our part two of dreams um where we talked about daydreaming we talked about sleep paralysis we talked about alien encounters um so that's all on the last episode tomorrow we have our final installation of the dream series which is going to be about lucid dreaming um so we'll talk about methods to optimize lucid dreaming and um stories that um, yeah, so hopefully you guys uh, stay tuned tomorrow at 8 p.m. And of course, uh, the other show that uh, also came out this week was the recent episode of If Numbers Could Talk with Keelan. Keelan, uh, you want to give us a breakdown of what you discussed? Definitely. In episode three, we just covered um, two guys that I admire from a stance of uh, athlete. But um I just always thought that these two guys get, I think they get overlooked a lot. Grant Hill and Tracy McGrady, 
nobody talks about them often when it comes to great players, but every time you bring them up, everybody's like, oh, yeah. So I took some time to put some things together for uh, those who are interested. All right. And of course, uh, this week, you know, uh, tomorrow, Nick with ExoFathom, and then later on this week, uh, Kim will come out with another episode of Numbers Can Talk, as well as another episode of The Plank with Joe, which uh, I kind of uh, pushed out very quietly yesterday. Um, just to do a reintroduction to the show, uh, I covered uh, pretty much where I'm at right now in, in my life, and the series for the remainder of the year will be a uh, breakdown of the years leading up to, to this year, 2020 uh, is one of those things where I, as much as I have dialogue, Nick and Keelan and a few of my other friends, I don't think I talk much about what's happened leading to this point uh, with other people. And I think it's time that I get to share that story and, of course, make it relevant to what's going on now. Uh, so far, I, I I think you'll be impressed and surprised at how things just uh, come full circle. Um, and, of course, I uh, hope you stay tuned for that. That's a, another episode of The Plank with Joe that will be coming out later on uh, in the upcoming week. So with all our shows, uh, please enjoy the content that we're going to be sharing. Uh, I think we're going to have a full week schedule uh, pretty soon, which is exciting. And hopefully once we have that going, uh, we may be asking for some assistance because, uh, you know, uh, I think we're, we're putting in a, enough time to provide some some form of entertainment and some form of escape from what, uh, you know, what is going on. And who knows? We might be able to uh, make make some more things happen uh, with your help. Stay tuned for that, you know, in the upcoming weeks. And yeah. Thanks, as always, for listening to this and every show uh, that's on ThinkGreen.Space. Well, now on to our last story, which, of course, it's uh, another tale of two moments that we always have on this show. Oh, yeah. Today's tale is about two things, two and one the same. One thing that decided to make a change. Uh, another thing that happened that doesn't really seem like a change it just seems like the status quo that always happens behind the scenes so first article first part of the story um, is featuring an article from Forbes that talks about uh, how this past week Kodak announced that it is shifting its business strategy after more than a century of making cameras film and other photography equipment um, the Rochester based company announced that it would become a pharmaceutical company its new mission uh, boosted its uh, boosted itself uh, with uh, oh another okay so uh, this story kind of takes a couple of layers um, because the timing of this uh, is odd because the CEO was granted uh, about one point seven five million dollars in stock, stock options. options, and then the timing of it also includes that Kodak as its new form uh, received a $765 million federal loan from the U S government to uh, essentially make uh, pharmaceutical products. 
in a so paper, you mean personal favorite. So you mean to tell me that we're going to be able to say, I remember when Kodak was a photo company? Yep. Yep. <laughs> while, while ingesting their products. I hate it. <laughs> remember we used to take pictures with this company? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But then, of course, the other part of this is the fact that uh, the timing of everything. I mean, this is a very example of what happened uh, uh, mid-shutdown, mid I want to call it, like, want to say back in april um wwe uh yeah. or actually state of florida let me rephrase that state of florida deemed professional wrestling as an essential service which yeah. allowed mm -hmm. a couple of companies the featured company uh wwe to be able to produce its shows uh during this pandemic uh, the timing of that announcement and the timing of that was coincidentally also the same day that earlier that morning, a super PAC that is uh, ran by uh, the wife of the CEO of WWE uh, gave a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a $10 million donation mm -hmm. to the state of Florida. So a favor for another favor is mm -hmm. uh, what I was trying to point out with the, the codex story because of course of course the ceo gets a, a nice payout after the government pays kodak to be able to make products that they charge right premiums for <laughs> right well so with all of this my first question starts with the why of course we always start with the whys um i look at this and i think to myself okay what was the benefit? What did you have that you could convert and utilize for this side of what you're turning your business into? As an example, I think maybe two weeks ago or, or a month ago, I had saw, we, I don't, I think we might've featured this as well. There was a company or is a company that produces whiskey and they've taken the time to, you know, they already understand how to synthesize the alcohol, the ethanol, ethanol, whichever. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're able to utilize that, send it over to another place and they turn it into hand sanitizer. Mm. Like, you know, it's a, a, one of the same properties that they put into their whiskey. So I understand, okay, I had an entire stock of this. Someone else had the bottles for it already. Someone else understood how to distribute it. They had the storefronts and it all just fell into place. Right. That's not this. And, and I understand that it will be pushed. <laughs> yeah, maybe it is, right? I understand it will be pushed like that, but on this level, I mean, that's not this. This is this is curious at best, but unless some of the chemicals involved with making film can be translated to making pharmaceuticals. I mean, like hydrochloroquine particularly or maybe. <laughs> maybe. Well, well, no, we're not supposed to say oh, that's oh, the forbidden word. Canceled I'm sorry. Now. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't find it up. Man. Hydrochloride. There you go. There you go. Okay. Hydrochloride. Oh, hydro. hydro. We're in California, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll be in trouble. But, um, but no, seriously, with with all of this, with Kodak, uh, you know, you look at there's so many other companies that are just changing what they do. Um, if I remember, let me see if I could even find it. There's a, there's one of the companies that are listed in this particular article. They've gone from whatever it was they were doing before and now they're distributing groceries like mm. they're part of that and it's like wait how did you where in life did your two pro those two products come into 
association and how. Well, and I think that that's I think that that's what I mean is like like your illustration of the whiskey and the turning mm-hmm. to hand sanitizer. That's the same element, same compound is being used, ethanol. Right. So ethanol can make hand sanitizer or it can be alcohol. Right. Um, so what my question is, what in Kodak films right. can be used to create pharmaceuticals or, or Fuji films or Fuji films or, or three whatever. millimeter? Like it's it totally makes sense. Going out. Like it totally makes sense to me. Obviously, Kodak is is going to be not doing so great because you know, like the yeah. film and cameras, you like take pictures when you're in the house. And yeah, like it's it's just it's just not it's not sustainable much for them anymore, especially with g- digital and all that stuff. But you think this is part of the TikTok fallout? Ah, uh, maybe. Well, you know, they would should have stayed a camera company if they knew, because you know, like right. maybe people will be taking more camera selfies now. But no, I, I honestly, I think it's probably a little bit of like, okay, we know that this company is going to fail eventually. We might as well pivot to something else. Now, pharmaceuticals is very strange. Obviously, that bid from the government is to make pharmaceuticals. I don't know which ones, but it would seem to me that whatever equipment they have already is going to aid them in helping make pharmaceuticals. Right. And I think that I think that should say something about pharmaceuticals more than anything. <laughs> I, would, yeah. I would agree. What, what I'm also wondering, what were their stock options like before this? Because mm. I don't think anyone was really paying attention to Kodak, you know? Of course, yeah. they were, they were, I, uh, I was paying all. attention. Oh, you were? Okay. Sorry. Yeah, I was. And I saw and immediate regrets of not oh. not executing or falling through with so, opportunity. I understand. <sighs> so was it so I, I want to ask this just because you were paying attention. When they announced that they were selling the production or excuse me, not the production, but the distribution of their cameras to the other company, do you think that affected the stocks and was that probably the sign that everyone should have been looking out for? No. Um, to be honest, the company itself, it's gone through a lot of changes over the last five years. And this this did this did come out of nowhere, but it was also um, because it came out of nowhere, it, there was no way to like as with me, like I could have could have dove into purchasing some stocks because it would have gone up because if it's one thing that we know about pharmaceutical companies is that they're profitable for one reason or another they just seem to be you know uh, getting the attention of of would-be investors so hey at least they got creative and at least they were wise enough to pivot which um i don't know it's it's just odd that the brand that's because that's it, all it is. It's, yeah. it's yeah. just a brand that seems to be going from, and it's uh, what I, I think the best example of it from from on, on a semi tangent, um, Westinghouse and General Electric, two brands that we've known for uh, now centuries, but they've all taken different uh, forms. RCA, mm. one of the original you know companies that produced electronic equipment uh it all it is is a brand it's a it's a logo it's a brand now it's not an actual company Mm. so this was an attempt for them to like keep some relevancy and keep some form of of actual physical existence um otherwise i mean kodak i 
was under the impression that Kodak was in the market to actually sell its brand. Mm. And maybe they are. Maybe this is a, a first step. They sold the camera section or they already have that taken care of. They keep the branding per se for a moment. They find their new lane. They establish themselves and then they sell the brand. Because the Kodak brand picture uh, photography wise, it's not going to go anywhere. That would be like the Tesla brand. Even though it's on Elon Musk's car, we all still recognize it as Nikola Tesla. You know, here at Kodak, we know that a picture is worth a thousand smiles, but Kodak Pharmaceuticals' new Prozac is worth a million smiles. Hey, <laughs> copyright, copyright, Tim. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Man. Kodak, hit me up. I'll, I'll, I'll be a madman for you. I'll do your, <laughs> I'll do your agency uh, advertising. Right, I'll be your husband. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I think there's more to uh, observe with this story and with what's going on with Kodak because uh, it'll be interesting to find out how many more uh, companies are pivoting to a different business concept from what they were before the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it's important to be aware of like all these behind-the-scenes things that are going on, which when reading this article it again it just sounds like it's the normal it's just right. what happens like you pay somebody this amount you know because hey we got this we got this uh out of nowhere hunk of money and because of tax purposes you got to do something with it because it, it it's either what is it uh you use it or lose it is, is that the yeah is that the underlying i, mean, uh, I, I guess yeah. I guess, but it's kind of like the 2008 thing, right? Where the banks got bailed out and then they all took a bonus. Right. <laughs> all their exactly. CEOs took a bonus. <laughs> yeah, I don't, see, I don't see any loss on their end at all. I don't think there ever will be, especially in this particular field. If we were talking about recreation, <laughs> maybe. But well, that's what Kodak was, right? It was marketing recreation. Now we're now moved on. It's realized there's no more profit in recreation. There's no more profit in taking pictures because nobody will be taking pictures anymore. <laughs> I guess that is the point. <laughs> oh, it's so sad. It's so sad. <laughs> is it though? No, I mean, yeah. I mean, like it's it's one thing. I mean, like it makes sense to me that they need to they need to stay relevant. Like if the market is saying that they nobody wants to buy your film anymore, then if you can change to something else for sure, then yeah. you know that's yeah. that's the best way to go about it. It's just a. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what other companies kind of decide to move towards that way. And I think we should also pay attention to which markets they move towards, because I think it might belie the future a little bit. Like, you know, it might tell us what the future is going to look like if, you know, a, a, a photo company decides to start making pharmaceuticals. What does that future tell us? You know, like, uh, Colgate will become a, a pizza company. Colgate will become a uh, let's see, it'll become a private security company. Private oh. <laughs> security. <laughs> Imagine Jack booted their internet protocols. Yeah, Jack booted like you know uh, paramilitary security with like hats that have smiles on it. Oh. You know, like, 
much. <laughs> It'd be we the Colgate, Colgate Army. Yeah, that's right. We call we, we work for Colgate. Creepingly <laughs> enough, that does kind of fall in line with the uh the demolition uh, man Taco yeah. Bell yeah. thing. Yeah. Like yeah. what if Taco Bell does become the premier Michelin uh, yeah. juggernaut right. restaurant? Well, well I think the other thing is who's running half of these companies and what are their intents? Like what is their, what is their end game? Why are they in business? We don't know what half of these people are really aiming for at the end of it. We just know that they're here right now. We know where they are today. We don't know where they want to be. You're getting into lizard people territory back away, back away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's just the nature of corporations that continuously want to grow. And I think that that, something that we need to address, um, you know, as a society, because obviously that's why I'm not, you know, for a completely free market. We obviously need regulations because this is what happens. You get, you know, the revolution brought to you by Coca-Cola. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's and Pepsi. 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 I'm sorry. You're right. Kendall Jenner did did solve the world's problems with the Pepsi Cola. <laughs> I'm not looking up. I know. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, like I, I that's kind of my point is like this, the, you know, corporations should be allowed to make a lot of money and all that and be successful. But there is something to be said about unfettered growth. And where does that lead to? You know, because we're joking right now, but it could very well delve into that future in which, you know, Nike is is teaching you how children, you know, <laughs> like it sounds out there. It sounds out there, but now Kodak is now getting give us, you know, diabetes medication and heart disease medication. So, I mean, like, uh, that was too soon. Sorry. No, well, I mean, it's in case for those that uh, weren't aware of today's news, uh, the actor that was featured in those commercials that talked about uh, diabetes passed away. Diabetes. Oh, damn it. Of diabetes? I didn't know that either. Diabetes. Did yes. he die from diabetes? <laughs> Did he die from diabetes? I have not read that part. It didn't say. Yeah. What if we find out now? I'm sorry that this man passed away. Rest his soul and prayers to whomever uh, is in his family and fans and stuff. Right. Here's a question. What if he didn't have diabetes? I'm starting to think that maybe he just like had a heart palpitation while skydiving or something. (laughs) (laughs) That's not funny. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, guys. Again, you would hate to hear, hate to hear. Oh, yeah, yeah. Off here. This is on. This is us on our best behavior. So just uh. take what you can get. <laughs> so when you when you look listen back and you say, why didn't they talk about that? They they bring it up, but they didn't talk. Now you get an idea. You'll understand. Yeah. <laughs> oh uh. man, but not yeah, That's pretty sad. It is. I'm gonna look that up next episode. We may can he touch on leave, that a little. May he live in meme heaven forever. Oh fine. yeah, because definitely once the internet gets a hold of that, we're gonna. Oh if you, yeah. The people who don't know who he is, they're gonna definitely find out. And unfortunately for the people who love him, and maybe don't find the commercial yeah, as humorous as us. Yeah. That's gonna be a little that's gonna sting. That's gonna sting because the internet has no chill, and um, there but is it's, no good But time. it's out of it's out of love though, because they all love that. One hundred percent. The internet, I agree. internet loved diabetes guy. So you know, yeah. <laughs> 
There'll be murals and, of him and Harambe, Harambe, and all that. Stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> and now all we have is you know talking about the time when you remember when the diabetes man passed away. Right. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Right. It was around. Pepper it was Farber? around when Kodak became a pharmaceutical company. I remember man. that. Yeah. <laughs> Same day I found out Taco Bell used to sell hot dogs. <laughs> All right, jeez, Louise. Uh, <laughs> same day I heard about the Colgate police. Oh, God. Not the Colgate police again. The secret, the secret Colgate police. <laughs> I think I think there's going to be a, a interesting moment when we actually realize that half of these names and companies have been flipped 40 times over. That's just the call. I think that's just business. That's just oh, business. Yeah. Rebranding is is always a always a thing for sure. Oh yeah. Well, one thing's for sure is that uh, we have many brands and one place to find them all. Thinkering.space. Remember that website, guys. Please subscribe, follow, uh, download on the podcatchers. Send an email. Dive at thinkering.space. We'll be more than happy to have a conversation with you. And again. We thank you so much for listening on today's episode of Thinkering. As always, I'm Jose. I'm Nick. And I'm Keelan. Until next time. Thanks a lot, guys.